enchanté. You are listening to the What the Fab podcast, where empowered women empower women through candid conversations, inspiring stories, and tangible tips. I'm your host, Elise Armitage. I'm a digital creator, and I left my nine to five job at Google to chase my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get into some real talk. Well, hey there, and welcome back to the What the Fab podcast and this week's episode. We are, I'm doing a solo episode, and we are covering a topic that was requested from a listener. I've mentioned this in the last few episodes, but I have been loving getting your requests, and they're just giving me so many ideas for future episodes, so keep them coming if you have thoughts, requests, suggestions for future topics, interviews, solo episodes, whatever it is. So this one is geared more towards influencers, content creators, or if you're a business owner and you kind of want to get in on that piece of the sponsored content pie and get some brand partnerships, this episode is for you. We are covering all the things that should and should not be in your media kit. So if you're not in that camp, you're not a content creator, then you might not be as interested in this episode, but that's okay. We have 42 other episodes that you can take a listen to. So take a scroll through the archives, see if you've missed any other episodes. But before we dive into all the details on media kits, I wanted to take a quick second to share a new review that came in on Apple Podcasts from The Real Nettie G. She says, absolutely love the income report. I am so impressed with the willingness Elise has to share her income report with the world. This will allow other women to make more money. Let's get loud and make more. Fuck yes. Love that. Thank you so much for the review. If you have been listening to the podcast for a little while now and you haven't taken a second to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, I would love for you to do that. I really appreciate it. And it just helps me like keep excited about creating content and new episodes each and every week. And while you're at it, if you could go ahead and hit subscribe through whatever platform you listen through, then these weekly episodes will get all queued up and ready for you each and every week. So with that, let's dive right into today's episode all about media kits. So what is a media kit? If you're a blogger, you are very familiar with this term. A media kit is basically some kind of fancy PDF, usually, but I'm going to, at the end of this episode, give you a little pro tip on how you can shake things up a bit and use a different format. Usually it's a PDF that kind of outlines who you are as a content creator, influencer, blogger, whatever you want to call it, your stats, so like your social media numbers. It also typically highlights your previous collaborations that you've done with brands. Basically, you send this to potential brand partners to be like, look how awesome I am. Don't you want to work with me? And they can kind of decide if they want to move forward with a brand partnership. Having a really nice media kit is essential because that's kind of what initially kicks off the conversation between you and the brand or whoever is representing you and the brand. And I have had several different versions of media kits over the years. And so I've seen what has worked well for me and what hasn't worked so well. And I've definitely changed it. And I'm going to give you guys a walk by a walkthrough step by step of everything that is currently in my media kit and sort of the why behind each piece, as well as things that I intentionally do not put in my media kit because I have kind of a strategy behind why I wouldn't want those things in it. So let's go ahead and dive in. The first thing I have, and also here's a myth. (laughs) I've heard this from people like your media kit has to fit onto one page because brands aren't going to scroll through it and 
it just has to be like one page. That's a myth. That's a lie. I mean, sure, if you can fit everything on one page without it looking like super cramped and hideous, I mean, great. We love efficiency. We love to be concise. However, as we run through these different sections that I have in my media kit, I think you'll find it really difficult to fit all of this into one page. And I personally would rather have a little bit more, you know, kind of white space and breathing room on a page rather than have everything crammed in. Because to me, that's like, oh my God, there's so much like text or too many logos or too much information. And my eyes kind of glaze over. But if it's something where it's like, okay, this is the page that's my intro and a little bit of publicity and PR. This is the page that is my social media numbers. Like I can kind of space things out, use some pretty logos and graphics and just make it aesthetically pleasing. I think that is definitely a big tip when you're creating these media kits. You can get templates online. I'm sure you can find them on Canva. I know that I have seen some on Creative Market. I've used those templates in the past and I also have hired a graphic designer to create one for me when I rebranded, gosh, like five years ago. And so I wanted it to be like really cohesive with my website and my branding and everything. And she did a really beautiful job. And then now I am actually making it taking it a little bit further and I'm putting it on my website. So we'll get into that in a minute. But let's go through these different sections. So the first section you'll want to include is an intro on yourself. Like who are you? What's kind of your story, both personally and your brand story? My intro talks about how I founded What the Fab in 2012. I'm based in San Francisco and Napa, the different verticals I cover. So travel, fashion, lifestyle, the why behind what I do, inspiring women to live their best lives and live life a little bit bolder, whether it's just through the everyday or planning an epic vacation. I also talk about how I left my corporate job at Google to blog full time because that's a big part of my brand story that people are always really interested to learn about. And so that's kind of the intro, you know, have a nice photo of yourself there. I typically, even though I am a travel blogger and I post a lot of bikini shots, I would recommend something with a little bit more coverage. I've definitely seen it, you know, I'm not saying like you have to cover up, but like I'm not going to put a bikini shot there. I might put more of like a sassy fun fashion photo there just to kind of introduce myself. And then the next section that I have is my as seen on section. You could probably combine these into one page and have like your intro and as seen on in one page, but I have highlighted a few different publications that I've been quoted in or featured in, and I just grabbed all of their logos and made them all white so that they're cohesive. And so I have a section that's for everywhere that I've gotten, well, not everywhere, but some of my top publications that I've been featured in. So I've got Forbes, Elle, Yahoo, Her Money, Alt, because I was a speaker there, San Francisco Chronicle, Reader's Digest, Birdie, Real Simple. Those are a few that I chose to highlight in that section. And I think it just lends some credibility and, and authority of like, these are the different publications that have featured in or that I have been featured in. And it just kind of, I feel like, sets things up for you really nicely because it's like, okay, you know, some people might not necessarily take bloggers very seriously, but it's like, you know what? I've been featured in Forbes and L. Like, I have some authority behind me. People want to know what I have to say. And if you don't have any large press features at the moment, that's okay. You don't have to have this section. If you have, you know, some smaller publications or a podcast that you've been on, anything like that that you can kind of use to bolster your credibility would be fantastic. 
quick break to tell you about my favorite podcasting tool, Zencaster, and how you can get 30% off. Zencaster is what I use to record my podcast interviews, and the audio is always crystal clear. I've tried out several different platforms, and Zencaster is by far my favorite. It's so easy to use. My podcast guests just click a link, and then I hit record. There's no software or plugins that you have to download. Super straightforward. You're just good to go. And I love that we're on video together, so we see each other. There's no awkward interruptions. And then the video is recorded too, so I can use those clips for social promotions, my stories, or soon I'll be putting them up on YouTube. The best part is the audio is recorded as separate tracks for each person, which means I have more control over the audio when I'm editing. So if I'm slurping water in the background or I cough while the interviewee is talking, it's so easy to just edit that right out of my track. You can try Zencaster today. Head to zen.ai slash WTFab for 30 percent off your first three months. That's zen.ai slash WTFab. So then the next section that I have is previous collaborations. And I know I've definitely seen some bloggers will just grab a shit ton of different logos from brands that they've worked with and slap them on a page. Please, for the love of God, don't do that. It's just going to look so like not aesthetically pleasing and just not cohesive because it's going to be all these different like mishmashes of colors and logos. So to make it more aesthetically pleasing, make all of the logos, all the brand logos white. So you can, you know, look up a quick YouTube video of how to do this in Photoshop. You can even Google like Mac Cosmetics logo white. Sometimes I'll do like Mac Cosmetics logo dot PNG file white. So you can kind of search for it. And a lot of times I can just find that brand's logo as a white logo already. And then I can pop that into this section. And it just looks so much nicer than slapping a bunch of logos on this page and just more professional. So for this page, I have divvied it up into my four main verticals. So I have lifestyle, beauty, fashion, and travel brands. And then I select let me see one two three I selected four brands for each vertical and obviously I'm picking the brands that I am most proud of that I worked with like the most recognizable so under lifestyle I have Whole Foods Google Target Amazon for beauty I have Mac Olay Bare Minerals Urban Decay for fashion Nordstrom like you get the idea of travel I've got Marriott Airbnb and a little suggestion here these don't necessarily have to be only sponsored brand campaigns that you've worked on. They could also be campaigns that you worked on that were gifting. Like you worked with that brand, you partnered with them. And if it was, you know, whether or not it was on a paid basis, you don't have to disclose that in your media kit. So have a section that shows previous collaborations. And also it's important to think about, you know, what kind of brand are you trying to portray for yourself? And also what kinds of brands are you trying to attract? So for example, if I wanted to brand myself as a luxury travel blogger, I might take Marriott off of my travel list of previous brand collaborations or even Airbnb. Like I might really try to feature and focus on Four Seasons and Park Hyatt because a brand like that might be like, oh, you've done a lot of content around Airbnb. That's not necessarily the luxury market that we are looking to target. So keep that in mind and also just know that like you can't be 
everything to everyone. Some people might look at my pages and my website and Instagram and think like, oh yeah, she covers like high-end travel. And some people might look at it and think mm, she's a little bit more budget friendly. Like it's all relative and brands sometimes have a certain vision and picture of who they want to work with. And if you don't fit into that perfectly, they might pass you up and that's okay. Like you got to have a thick skin if you're going to be an influencer, if you're going to be in this industry. I've also had brands tell me, I, I remember there was a tourism board in Mexico that a friend of mine was doing the PR for and she was putting together a media trip. And she had told me like, oh my God, you're a shoe in like you're totally going to, you know, go on this media trip. The brand's going to love you. The tourism board's going to love you. And she had presented me to the brand and they were like, mm, she's not a travel blogger because I also cover lifestyle beauty and fashion. But I mean, if you guys have seen my website, my Instagram, you know that travel is like 80% of what I cover. And I not to I mean, you know, fuck it to toot my own horn. I take beautiful travel photos and I write really in depth travel guides and my travel content gets a lot of traffic on my website. So I even though I didn't fit into their vision of what a travel blogger was like they were probably picturing like an Aggie from travel in her shoes or like Amy Cedar from Awaylands like they're picturing some that only covers travel 100% of the time, that's just not my brand. I don't want to write about only travel 100% of the time. I would have been real fucked during the pandemic if that was my brand and I could only cover travel. So just something to keep in mind, you know, again, think about what, how you want to project your brand and the types of brands you want to work with as you are selecting different collaborations to feature in this section. But just know that you can't be everything to everyone. The next section that I have, I have it titled as at a glance. And this is where I have all of my numbers. So obviously this is like the, the meat and potatoes, like what a potential brand partner wants to see. So they want to understand how many potential impressions and eyeballs can they get by working with you. So in this section, I have, again, like very clean, simplistic, single colored icons and logos for all of the different social platforms I'm on. So Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, my email newsletter. And then I have the number of of subscribers or followers for each platform there. I have a total so they can get a quick glance at how many social media followers I have across all of my platforms. And then the other thing, like with Pinterest, you guys know you can have so many more monthly impressions than you have followers. So I do include a section that's like I get 2 million monthly impressions on my Pinterest profile. And I have that all totaled up as an amount of monthly million impressions across all of my different channels. In this section, I also obviously have information about my website. So I have my monthly page views here. I have the average time that somebody spends on my website. You can get that information and data really easily from Google Analytics. I also have a little bit of demographics information here. So ages, gender, location. Brands typically want to know that your audience is US based. And sometimes if it's a more location specific campaign, they'll want to know, you know, what your major cities are. I don't include major cities in my media kit because it's just like, it depends on the campaign. And I don't think everybody needs to know that information. If your service is only available in San Francisco, sure. Yeah, you definitely are going to want to know what my major cities are. And if San Francisco is one of them, but for other 
more broad campaigns, it's like, you know what, some like I can be based on the West Coast, but have people on the East Coast coming across this blog post when they search for it on Google, if they're looking for a travel guide to Nashville or whatever it is. So that's why I just have kind of general demographics there. This episode is brought to you by Flowdesk. Flowdesk is an incredible email marketing service provider, and they are the platform that I use for my email campaigns for What the Fab. The platform is so intuitive and easy to use. It's very drag and drop. And best of all, it's aesthetic AF. The templates are beautiful, and you can easily add your own brand colors to it to make sure that your emails look and feel like you. I used to use MailChimp back in the day, but after trying Flowdesk out about a year ago, I was in love and I know you will be too. You can give Flowdesk a try for 30 days free. And if you want to keep them, which I know you will, you can use my referral link to lock in a 50% off price at $19 a month and lock that in forever. You can get this offer and try it for free at whatthefab.com Flowdesk. And that is spelled F-L-O-D-E-S-K. That's whatthefab.com slash flowdesk. I can't wait to see what stunning emails you create. Okay, let's get back to the episode. The next section that I have is services. So this is pretty short and sweet, but I just kind of outline a few different services that I offer. One of them would be a sponsored blog post plus social campaign. So this would be like a curated story and content that would be in a blog post and shared across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, all that good stuff. Then I have a sponsored Instagram campaign. So obviously that would be an image or video or reel highlighting a particular brand and tagging them shared in my Instagram stories. And then the last one I have is just pure content creation. So that would be shooting and creating photos or videos for a brand that is meant to be shared across the brand's channels or website or email newsletter. And I'm not necessarily posting it on my channels. In this section, I used to have one of the services that I offered was influencer events. I only did a couple of those and I didn't love it. I actually, I had kind of thought, you know, because I did events at Google and I'm an influencer, this would be like such a great marriage of the two in combination. And I just didn't enjoy it. I don't really like having to depend on other people for my success, if that makes sense. So like from a brand's perspective, they want to see a certain amount of posts and impressions and attendance for an event like that. And a lot of that is outside of my control. Like things come up, people no show, people say they're going to post, but they don't post. And I just didn't want to be in that position where I'm like nagging my friends and acquaintances and, you know, other bloggers in the area, like, oh, you're going to get your post up. Like that's just annoying. And I just didn't feel like doing that anymore. So I removed that from my media kit. But if you did offer some other service like that or consulting, you could put that in this section for sure. Another section, and this is, I feel like kind of a pro tip that a lot of people don't include in their media kit and they absolutely should. And I have to give a shout out here to my friend Kara from The Whimsy Soul because she was one of the first people that mentioned this to me and kind of showed me how she did this in her media kit and I just thought it was so smart. And so that is to include a section that is a case study. So you could do like one or two case studies here where you focus on a previous successful brand partnership. And so you would highlight the content and the images that you created for that campaign, where it was posted, like your blog, Instagram, whatever, and the amount of impressions that it gathered, that it garnered, 
And then the amount of clicks, you could also do like the amount of brand tag tap throughs and Instagram stories. And then of course, what every brand is going to want to know, how many sales did it result in? So this is a really great way to show a brand like here is kind of start to finish what you can expect when you're working with me. Beautiful imagery, brand awareness and impressions, you know, people checking out your brand's Instagram profile, people clicking on these links, and then ultimately sales. And it just kind of helps the brand envision what working with you would be like and how their brand would fit into your content and, you know, potentially the types of success metrics that they could see from working with you. I will make a note here, I never, ever guarantee a certain amount of sales when I'm working with a brand. I've been noticing lately, and I've been talking with a lot of my influencer friends about this, that brands are getting increasingly demanding, like their expectations are just skyrocketing. And I feel like a few years ago, brands kind of understood that impressions were one of the main goals. And like, of course, yes, they want to see click throughs and sales. But now it's kind of flip flopped. And it's like, they just want to see the sales. And Traditional marketing, like we know that age old stat that's like it takes somebody seven times of seeing and being exposed to a brand before they actually decide to purchase. So I don't know where I am in the funnel for that person for my audience and your brand. This could be the very first time they are ever hearing about your brand and I've piqued their interest and you've gotten that brand awareness with them, but it could be step one, two, three, or four, you know, in the funnel. And so I share this as an example of a successful campaign, but I never guarantee any amount of sales. Impressions, yes, you're going to get plenty of those. But yeah, just a note for that section. Hold up, I have to tell you about my new What The Fab presets. I finally launched digital product and let me tell you, it was a lot harder than I expected it to be, but I am so excited that they're live. They're available. You can shop them on the website. You can just go to whatthefab.com slash presets to see them in all their freaking glory. <laughs> These presets are something that I have been refining and tweaking over the years. And after almost a decade of being a travel blogger and lifestyle blogger, I'm finally making them available to you to purchase and to use on your own photos. So whether you are a full-time content creator or this is your side hustle or you just want beautiful aesthetic photos for your feed, I'd love for you to check them out. Presets are honestly a game changer. Using Lightroom presets has really optimized how I'm able to edit my photos. It makes everything cohesive and beautiful and branded so that when you see one of my pictures on Instagram or Pinterest, you know that it's coming from what the fab. And you can have that kind of brand cohesiveness too by using the presets and tweaking them for your own skin tone and style. They also have saved me hours upon hours of editing photos. I mean, it used to take me half a day to go through, you know, hundreds of photos from a shoot. Now I can just do it within one or two clicks. And then if I'm using desktop, batch sync it across all of the photos. It's amazing. Like I said, game changer. And these presets are, they're light and airy and will make your photos look beautiful, whether you're shooting on an iPhone or in the raw on DSLR. I've got the mobile pack. I've got the desktop pack. So there's something for everyone. If you want to edit just on the go, the mobile pack is a great option and you can use Lightroom mobile. The app is free. So that's a really great option for someone who's doing this as a side hustle or a beginner. And then if you are 
are building a brand, um, maybe this is your full-time thing, you'll probably want both the mobile and the desktop versions because then you'll be able to edit on the go on the app, but then also really like sit down in front of your computer, do that batch editing I was talking about, and just have that really cohesive vibe across all of your photos. So I hope you'll check them out. And I'm so excited I have a little gift for you. So you can get one of my mobile presets for free. Just go to whatthefab.com slash free and you can get my World Traveler mobile preset for free and you can use it on the Adobe Lightroom app on your phone. And the World Traveler preset, I've used it on every type of photo imaginable. It's light and airy and beautiful and just makes you look glowy. I've used it on selfies, date night pics, home decor, food, um, my friends' kids, and of course, my jet setting travel pics. So I know that you will love it. Again, go to whatthefab.com free to grab that free preset for yourself. Enjoy it. Love it. Use it. I can't wait to see what kinds of photos you create with it, and be sure to use hashtag WTFab presets so I can see and share all my stories. All right, let's get back to the episode. And then the last page that I have, this is another one that I have not seen a lot of people doing, and I frankly think it's smart, but it's to include a section that is testimonials. And so what I do here is I have a mix of a couple of testimonials from brands, or PR agencies that I've worked with. And then I also have a couple of quotes and testimonials from readers. So for example, I have a testimonial from an account manager at Wagstaff that I worked with on a campaign. And I just sent her an email and I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm putting together a testimonials page for my media kit. Would you mind sending me just like a few sentence testimonial about your experience working with me to include in my media kit? I would really appreciate it. And she was like, sure, of course. She sent over a few lines that were so nice. And she was like, you know, we worked with Elise for X, YZ campaign series. We contracted her for social media publication, a blog post. She was prompt, efficient, provided incredible creative assets that created buzz for the event, you know, blah, blah, blah. Super nice. And I have that in there. And Wagstaff is obviously a huge hospitality agency. So it's great to have that on my testimonials page. And then for reader testimonials, I have a couple different ones. One is from a reader who sent me a DM and was like, we went on this last minute trip to Iceland. We didn't have a whole lot of time to plan. So I just literally copied your entire itinerary, like where you stayed, where you ate, the excursions that you booked. We did it all and had an amazing experience. That is such a great testimonial because if you are some kind of travel related brand, you are a tourism board, you're going to see something like that and be like, okay, great. Like people are clicking through and booking the things that she is recommending and really taking her travel advice and making their buying decisions based on that. And then I just have like a really sweet one from a reader um, when I was in India. This was really cool to see. I traveled around to a few different places in India and was posting a bunch about it. And this was a, a trip that I did for Google. And then on the weekends, I would go to some different destinations. And I got a lot of messages from readers saying like, oh my gosh, you're in my country. I love that you're promoting it. Like nobody promotes India. This is so cool. And it just, it was just really nice. And so I took one of their DMs and I turned it into a testimonial. And she was just saying like, you're such an inspiration and I can't believe, you can't understand how happy I am seeing you traveling in my country and sharing it. So I put that as a testimonial as well. 
So those are all of the different sections. Oh, wait, I have one more. The last page is just my contact info. So I have my phone number, my website, and my email address in there. Kind of a no-brainer. You don't even necessarily have to have it as a separate page. I just liked it as a separate page because it looked super clean. And it was like, thank you, my brand logo, and my contact info. But that's certainly something you could just put at the bottom of a page when you're ending your media kit. So those are all the pieces that I have in my media kit. And like I said, some of those things, like the testimonials, the case study. Those are things that I don't see a lot of influencers doing. And I don't see a lot of people taking that extra step to incorporate into their media kit and make them stand out. And by the way, I am people because I just added in that case study. And that's a new thing for me. I've been meaning to do it for a while. And as I was getting ready to sit down and record this episode, I was like, okay, we need to get a damn case study up because I'm about to tell people that this is an important thing to have in their media kit. I know it's something that I've been wanting to incorporate into mine for a while. And so I just added that. So those are all of the pieces. And then one thing that I never ever include in my media kit is my prices. I don't include my rates. And sometimes a brand will ask for my media kit and expect that the rates are in there. And so I'll send my media kit to them and then they'll be like, oh, I don't see your rates. Could you let me know what those are? And that is totally fine. I would prefer to do that and send them my rates in an email rather than have them in my PDF media kit because, well, there's like five different reasons why. But first of all, I don't want old versions of my media kit circulating around with old pricing. I feel like emails, you know, nobody's going to be like forwarding around an email from like three years ago, but I just feel like somebody might take a look at an old media kit and be like, oh, her prices have... I don't know, tripled in the last three years. I just don't really want that in like a formal PDF media kit. I also, and this is part of my negotiation strategy in general, but I would prefer to get the brand to tell me what their budget is first before I give them my rates. And so if I'm able to do that, I can always kind of, I mean, it's negotiation 101, like the person who gives the first number loses. So if I can get the brand to share more about their budget first, that's a win. But if I'm sending them my media kit and my rates are already in there, I'm not really able to have the upper hand in that negotiation. The other thing is your rates can totally vary depending on the time of year or the type of brand that you're working with. And so if it's Q4 and I am slammed and I have all of these holiday campaigns going on and I have a brand reach out to me, you can bet that I am going to add an extra $500 onto my usual rates because I'm like, you know what, if you can't meet this budget, that's fine. I really don't like need to take on more campaigns in this moment. And that's so much easier than going into a PDF or like Adobe Illustrator and updating rates that way, like just being able to type them out into an email is so much more convenient for me. So those are all the reasons why I don't include my rates in my media kit. And I recommend that you leave that out of your media kit as well. And then the other tip I have around just like sending and sharing your media kit is I never include my media kit as an attachment when I'm pitching someone because different corporate emails can automatically send them to spam if the attachment size is too large. It just kind of can trigger things depending on how their email system is set up. So instead, you can either include it as a Dropbox link or a Google Drive link, and that way you're not putting this large attachment on your email that can trigger some spam filters. Or... This is something brand, brand new that I literally just hit publish on, but I actually am switching from the kind of traditional PDF 
media kit format to a page on my website. So if you would like to check it out, you can go to whatthefab.com slash media kit. And I built this with the help of Anissa with the Fab's content manager using a, is it a CMS? I don't even know. It's a, like a plugin called Elementor. And it's really cool. You can use it to kind of do this sort of like what you see is what you get drag and drop situation for a page on your WordPress website. So it just allows for more customizability and, and it kind of allows you to do all these cool things with it that have a little bit more movement to it rather than just a static page. And so you can check it out. I'll kind of tell you a little bit more about the different features that I did within it. Now, some of these are images that Anissa created in Canva. So for example, she took the as seen on section and she made a graphic that had all of the different logos in white. So it's aesthetically pleasing in this one image and then uploaded that image. So you'll see that for the press section. And then, you know, as you're scrolling down, things move. So like a photo comes in for my about section at the at a glance section with all the different numbers, the numbers kind of like count up, you know, from zero, which is just kind of like a fun effect that makes the page feel more dynamic rather than just like static. We included icons with, you know, the different social media platforms and numbers there. And then what's really nice about that is it's super, super easy to update. So I can just pop into that page in WordPress using Elementor for the editing functionality and just change the numbers as my different platforms grow versus before it was like I would have to open up Adobe Illustrator, which I am not super well versed in, edit the numbers in there, double check that I didn't accidentally like add some text somewhere in the file because that's happened before, export it as a PDF and then start, you know, sharing that new Dropbox link for this new PDF whenever I was reaching out to brands. So this is just so much nicer and cleaner. There's one link to rule them all. And then anytime I need to update my numbers, I can just pop in a WordPress and do that. So I love that. I'm really excited about it. And like I said, I just think it gives a little bit more freshness to the traditional media kit. So check it out if you're interested. And then I also am happy to share my old media kit if you're interested in seeing what that looked like. So when I share this episode on my Instagram and promote it, I will also include in the caption, drop a comment with the word media kit below and I will DM you my old media kit and you can take a look at it and see how that was formatted and designed and so forth. And hopefully it's helpful for you as you are thinking through your media kit and what pieces you might want to include and how you might want to design it. All right, that is the scoop on media kits. This was a short and sweet solo episode, but I thought I would just quickly dive into all of the pieces that make up my media kit and hopefully it'd be helpful for you all as you're kind of refreshing yours or maybe starting yours from scratch. And again, if you have any requests for future episodes or topics you'd like me to dive into in the future, please send them my way. You can DM me. I'm at WTFab on Instagram. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you learned something from it, if you're going to incorporate some of it into your own media kit, I would love it if you could screenshot and share this episode on your stories. Tag me. Again, I'm at WTFab. And if you could go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, I'll be, as you know, producing more episodes each and every week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week. Music.